this is Buddy, and I'm back with another question. This one says, Why do we worship on Sunday if we are to keep the Sabbath holy? Why do we worship on Sunday if we are to keep the Sabbath holy? This is a very beautiful question, and I'm really happy that someone finally asked this question. This is a, a question that has given birth to whole new denominations, right? It's a very, very important question, um, and we need to clear this once and for all. Um, the issue of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. There's no two ways about it. So why do we worship on Sunday? If we are to keep the Sabbath holy, it's written in scripture. Why do we worship on Sunday? Let's go back to the beginning. It's always good to start from where it all began so that we know um, where it came from and how it evolved into all this, right? Now, the whole of scripture, the word of God, the Bible, is presented to us in the form of two covenants, two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's also um, um, noteworthy that the word in the Bible for testament is the same word that is translated covenant. Right? So it's the same, it's the same word, it's interchangeable, testament, covenant, same thing. And um, covenants are what binds two people together right a covenant is not possible unless a sacrifice has been made right and a sacrifice in this context is always accompanied by the shedding of blood now when we talk about a covenant or a testament right it's the same as a whale also you can also call it a whale like you know when you're about to die or you know you, you do something so that when you die it doesn't your property and things can be shared well that's a will, right? That's the same word for a testament. And Hebrews chapter 9, verse um, 16 and 17 says that when you make a will or when you make a testament, the will doesn't get activated. It doesn't, it doesn't work until the person who makes the will is dead, right? Death is what activates a testament. This is the reason why covenants cannot be made without sacrifice, without the shedding of blood a covenant cannot be made um psalm 50 verse 4 i believe says that you know god was speaking and he says that gather unto me my people those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice all right so anything that is a covenant is always activated by a sacrifice it's always accompanied by a sacrifice there can't be a covenant without a sacrifice all right and so our being christians we have a covenant with god and this is the reason why we are supposed to present our bodies as living sacrifices, right? Once covenants come into the picture, sacrifice comes comes also into the picture. Marriage is a is a is a covenant, and so that also comes with a heavy sacrifice. If you are not um, ready to sacrifice very heavily, you have no business marrying. That's just by the way, right? So covenants. Let's 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 go back. Um, the first man was Adam. Then there was another righteous man after that, Noah. But the, the person that God made a covenant with, the first covenant with, the one we call the Old Testament, is Abraham. God called him out of his father's house and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. Right? So Abraham left his father's house and said, him to a land. He didn't even know where he was going, but he left. That was the first act of faith. He's called the father of faith. Right, because the guy was full of so much faith. And Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with him. Right, God told him that, listen, 
I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you powerful. I'm going to make you a great nation. Your descendants will be. Abraham was like, okay, how do I know that this thing, all these things will happen? How do I know? In um, um, Genesis 15, I believe from verse 8 to 18, um, God said that, you know what? Let's make a covenant. And so in the olden days, this is how covenants were made, right? You bring an animal. Because covenants cannot be made without sacrifices and a shed of blood. You know, in the in the Hebrew, the word when you say I'm making a covenant, the word that is used for making a covenant in Hebrew is cut, right? It signifies a sharp object, cutting, you know, killing. So in the um olden days, right, when you when you want to make a covenant, this is what you do. You bring an animal, you, you buy an animal, you you, you get it probably a bull, a heifer, you know, a dove, a bed, whatever. And then you kill the animal and you cut it into two halves. And you set the two halves against each other, but with space in between, right? Then the two people who are making a covenant will pass through, they will walk through between. They say, yes, it's a very gory graphic exercise. <laughs> it's, it's, a very, it's a big deal. A covenant is not a small thing at all, right? And so the two people making the covenant will walk, they'll pass through the, the, the two animals that have been killed, right? And when you are walking um, past the dead animal in between the two halves, when you see the deadness of the animal, for lack of a better word, what occurs to you and what you think about and what you are actually saying is that this should have been my death, right? This is me dying. So from now onwards, I die to myself and I live for the other person. And the other person also walks through and says the same thing, right? And so after that act, what has happened is that what is yours is mine and what is mine is yours, right? There has been an exchange of will. What is mine is yours and what is yours is mine. And this is what God wanted to do with Abraham. It's very, very amazing that God Almighty was entering into such an agreement with a human being, right? But amazing, it happened. Abraham did it, walked through it. And the Bible said that when Abraham, Abraham fell asleep at a point, God actually came and passed through the two halves of the animal. The Bible says that it was like a flaming torch came to pass through like that what a shock and so it happened right god had entered into a covenant with abraham and what had happened is that what is abraham's is now god's and what is god's is now abraham's they were now into a covenant it was on the basis of this covenant that god laid claim on abraham's son isaac right and so when god said that i want your son isaac abraham by understanding and he knowing that Charlie he had gone into a covenant with God knew that he couldn't withhold his son from God and so he took his son and was almost going to sacrifice him and God said you know what and now I know you fear God don't don't do it right don't no, it's okay don't don't sacrifice I, I just needed to know whether you were taking me seriously or not but that is not the end of the story right two thousand years later God also gave his only son but no before we get there let's let's build up slowly all right now the covenant that god had made with abraham on the basis of that covenant god had to be good 
to all the people that would come to Abraham because in fact that was a promise that he had made to him that he was going to make him a great nation and so from Abraham came Isaac from Isaac came Jacob from Jacob came 12 sons that eventually became the 12 tribes of Israel it was because of this covenant with Abraham that God was so bound to the nation of Israel that in spite of all their misbehavior he was still there he was still around and he was still with them right and Abraham had long passed away he had died and all that but because of the covenants that he had with him God had with him he had to um, take care of the nation of Israel what is yours is mine what is mine is yours and eventually he even had to marry the nation of Israel he did marry them right and he, at many points in Isaiah 54 verse 5 he says I am your husband Daimeka is, is your husband the Lord of hosts is his name yes you know and so when the nation of Israel became God's property as it were on the basis of the covenant that God had with Abraham God decided that he is going to set them apart and make them holy just like he is holy right if something belongs to God then that thing is holy because God is holy so God decided that he's going to set them apart and make them holy unto himself and one of the ways that he did this was to give them various rules and various laws and various ordinances that would separate them from the nations that were surrounding them and one of such ordinances is the Sabbath this is most famously given in Exodus 20 when it was given the Ten Commandments right is a law number four remember the sabbath day to keep it holy but amazingly that's not the first mention of the sabbath the sabbath was instituted as it were even before exodus 20 in exodus 16 when god rained down manna from heaven that was when the sabbath was instituted god told the nation of israel that every day when you go out to pick the manna pick for only that day if you pick more than enough and you transfer it the following day it will it will it will it will decay it will it will decompose and it will yield you know maggots and other things but on friday pick a double portion because on saturday i don't expect you to work because saturday i've set it apart it's holy we are going to call it a sabbath right don't work on that day if you pick a double portion on friday it won't get spot on saturday amazingly the people flouted the, this rule, this simple rule. The people flouted on on the Sabbath. People went out to go and look, fetch manna, and they realized that there was no manna. And so those who had fetched double portion also realized that the manna hadn't gone bad, right? And and this is the first mention of the Sabbath. Why did God give the people of Israel the Sabbath? Why? What? What was it? Because you know, in Exodus twenty, the reason that was given was that God made the earth in six days. On the seventh day, He rested, and so I require all of you to rest. Right? That is true, and that is one of the reasons. But from the first mention of the Sabbath, and why God told them not to work on Saturday, we observe that the reason that God had in mind. To tell the people not to work on the Sabbath was that he is sufficient for them. He can provide for them. He had proven himself by way of miracles and by the great deliverance. He had taken them out of Egypt and all that. All the miracles he had done, he had proven to them 
conclusively that he was enough, he could take care of them. But he wanted them to rely on him more. And he wanted them to rely on him in a way that would show them that they don't even need to work in order to get sustenance. He could provide that for them. And so, on a Sabbath, don't even go and hunt for food. Look, the food, I'll give it to you on Friday. And on any other day, if you if you preserve the food with your own wisdom, it will go bad. But on the Sabbath, if you preserve the food on, on Friday, on the Sabbath, it will not go bad. What God was trying to prove to them was that he was all sufficient and he was enough for them. That was the original intent. It was to provoke faith in him. It was to inspire faith in him. And so the reason why God gave the Sabbath was not necessarily as a day of worship. It was as um, a sign. You know, in Ezekiel 20, verse 12, God was explaining and he said that, I gave the people of Israel my holy Sabbath as a sign between me and them. Remember that we have said that God had made a covenant with Abraham, and on the basis of that covenant, God had taken the people of Israel as his wife, as his own, his very own, right? And he had given them the Sabbath. One of the reasons why he had given them the Sabbath is as a seal, a ring, a sign between him and them. Now, a ring is worn by people who are married, so both parties wear a ring, right? The ring is not what makes you married. When you wear the ring, it doesn't make you more married. And when you don't wear a ring, it doesn't make you less married. A ring is like baptism. It's a seal, right? Baptism is not what makes you born again. The fact that you are baptized doesn't make you more born again. The fact that you are not baptized doesn't make you less born again. But baptism is a public declaration of a private decision, right? You've decided in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Now you baptize so that you show publicly that this is the decision you've taken. Even if there's no one around, you do it. Not not because of um, the fact that maybe if you don't do it, then there's something wrong with your born-again experience. There's nothing wrong with it. Being born again is a totally spiritual experience. Being baptized is a public declaration of what you've done. What, what has gone on right, this is going to be a long one but you know Andrew and enjoying it already <laughs> right so um a ring is not for the married couple as it were when you wear a ring it's not to prove to the two of you that you are married no a ring is actually for outsiders people who don't know you people you meet in a bus people you meet in public places people you meet outside your home they are the ones because you see when they see you they won't come to you and come and ask you hey are you married hey are you not married all they need to do is to look at your hand that's the reason why you don't wear the ring on any finger even you don't wear it on your thumb or your pinky you wear it on your ring finger and even then when you wear it on your left hand your left ring finger well some people wear it on their right you know it doesn't really matter but ideally the wedding ring is supposed to be worn on your left ring finger. Then when we see it, I don't have to come and ask you whether I am married or not. It's, it's a sign. We know that uh, this person is separated. This person belongs to another specific person. All right. And so this was one of the 
the main functions of the Sabbath to to um, signify that the nation of Israel had been set apart, and even up until this day, Jews do not work on the Sabbath, and it is exclusive. It's something that makes them special. It's something that sets them apart from all the other nations of the world, right? And this is the reason why God is to the Sabbath. And I'm saying that it is on the basis of the covenant that God had with Abraham. And so that covenant had led led Abraham to sacrifice his only son. God had stopped the sacrifice. But 2,000 years later, the descendants of Abraham, the nation of Israel, were in need of a sacrifice. They were in need of um, um, salvation. And so God took responsibility and said the same way Abraham had given up his only son, he also is going to give up his only son. Because what is mine is yours and what is yours is mine. Remember that. And so God sent his only son to come and um, redeem the nation of Israel. Remember, you know, so you take notice that when Jesus came, he came to the nation of Israel and um, in certain places we hear him say things like, I was sent to the flock of Israel, sent to the flock of Israel, sent to the flock of Israel. Now the reason why he says this is that I have come on the basis of the covenant I had with Abraham. This is the reason why I have come. I had a covenant with that guy and he had proven himself. He had sacrificed his son and so it's my turn now to come and sacrifice my son. That's that's what was going on, right? And so when Jesus Christ came, all the provisions of the covenant that God had made with Abraham, he obeyed all. He went to the synagogue. He did all the things that Jews do. But he also came to let them know that, listen, I am the one who made the covenant with Abraham. At a point, he even told them, before Abraham was, I am. And they got angry. They wanted to stone him. He wanted to let them know that, listen, the laws and the ordinances that I gave to you, I didn't give it to you as a bondage. I didn't give it to you as something that would uh, make you self-righteous and, you know, would rather make your lives difficult. I gave it to you as something that would help you enjoy your relationship with me. But now it has become something else. And so he had come to um, correct them as it were. Fast forward, because we don't want to make this too long, right? On the night before Christ died, and remember we said there's no covenant that can be established without a sacrifice. If it's a covenant, a sacrifice must must be there. And a sacrifice will always lead to shedding of blood. And on the night before he was crucified, Jesus did something. He took cup and bread. He took wine and bread and he said that he's establishing a new covenant. He said this is the, the blood of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you, right? And after he had established that new covenant, after he had mentioned that new covenant, he sealed it off by sacrificing his own life to establish the covenant. And remember we said in the beginning that a covenant is not active until a sacrifice has been made. Is that not it? When you make a will, you the will is not active until you are dead. 
And so him being the one who was making the sacrifice, who was making the covenant, the testament, died so that the, the covenant will be activated. And he called it a new covenant because he was replacing the old covenant, which had become a hindrance, which had become a, 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 a source of bondage for people that he intended this thing to be liberty to them. Instead, it became a snare to them. And so he was releasing them from that bondage and introducing them to a new covenant where they wouldn't need all that. They don't even need all that anymore. Alright? And so when Jesus died, he died on a Friday. On a Sabbath, he still obeyed the old covenant. He did not rise on a, sab- on a Sabbath. He, r- he rose up on Sunday, the first day of the week. And when he rose up from the dead, when he resurrected from the dead, by virtue of his death, the new covenant had been activated. And he became the firstborn of the new covenant. He became the first creation of the new covenant. And when he rose up on a Sunday, he did not, let me say this emphatically, he did not change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. The Sabbath is still Saturday. In fact, when you when you study the, the days of the week of the Hebrew, the, the Jews in the Hebrew, Sunday is called the first day of the week. Saturday is called the Shabbat. In fact, in the Hebrew, there's no Monday, Tuesday. All they have is first day of the week, second day of the week, third day of the week, fourth day of the week. The only day that they have a name for is Saturday, Shabbat, Sabbath, that's all. Right? When Jesus rose up from the dead on the first day of the week, it didn't become an ordinance or a rule or a law that we must worship on the first day of the week. The disciples did not institute Sunday as a day of worship. Nowhere in the Bible is it stated that way. The only thing that alluded to the fact that um, the disciples met on the first day of the week to worship was the fact that in, in 1 Corinthians, I think chapter 9, Paul was speaking and he said that on the first day of the week, set aside your offerings and then you know, gather them and, and send them so that we can um, distribute the offerings evenly and send it to the churches, right? That is one of the few indications in the Bible uh, to the effect that the disciples met to worship on the first day of the week. But actually, the disciples met to worship every day. They fellowshiped every single day of the week. The Bible says that God added unto the church daily, right? And so, the Sabbath was given to the nation of Israel as a sign between them and God. Sunday was the day that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. And the disciples, as a way of remembering, they even named it the Lord's Day. Because that was the day that Jesus established his lordship and, and conquered death. And so they, they met on, on Sunday to remember and remind themselves of the fact that, listen, we are new creation. Our master has conquered death and we need to spread this message far and wide. And they didn't, they didn't institute it as a day of worship, no. In fact, what God had done, and you see, God took pains to say in the New Testament, to write through the apostles, Apostle Paul and the other apostles, that don't let anybody come and reintroduce the bondage of 
sabbath new moons festivals these kinds of things no 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 don't let anybody limit you anymore with these things and you know god had entered into a new covenant not just with the nation of israel but with the entire world and he said that this new covenant you can enter into it by just believing right and in the same way as i sealed the old covenant with the sabbath i'm offering a new seal for this new covenant this new covenant i'm sealing it with myself my very self the holy spirit you don't need churches anymore you don't need buildings anymore and thank god for this coronavirus it has taught us that we actually do not need church buildings to worship we can worship anywhere the gathering together of the brethren to fellowship is for a specific purpose it 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 built us up the bible says that we edify each other when we meet together to worship but we don't necessarily need to gather to worship right and so god has sealed us in these last days not with the sabbath but with the holy spirit you know that um i've seen teaching um that goes around that talks about the fact that the the seal the seal of god is the sabbath well god sealed the old testament with the sabbath with the jews in the new testament he's made it very clear that we are sealed with the holy spirit our very our bodies are now the exclusive temple of god and remember that in a covenant the rule is what is yours is mine and what is mine is yours and so your very life if you're a christian your life doesn't belong to you it belongs to god and god's life belongs to you this is the reason why sickness and poverty cannot be the portion of a christian because if god's life does not include sickness and poverty and sadness and depression and all these things it can never be a portion because our by virtue of our covenant with him we inherit his life and he he inherits ours what is mine is yours and what is yours is mine what is his is ours and what is ours is his our money is his this is the reason why when we discuss and we debate about tithes and offering it's funny because the money is not even yours to begin with it's his and according to his riches in glory we we have our provision and so his money is also ours right but that's not what we are talking about so let's not even go there so why do we worship on sundays if we are supposed to keep the sabbath holy the answer to this question is that the sabbath is still holy the reason why god instituted the sabbath was so that the children of Israel will enter into his rest where they will cease from their labor and not work anymore. Where they would have the understanding that he's all in all, he's sufficient and he can provide for them even if they do not do the normal things that bring them sustenance. And so in Hebrews 4, God says that there remains a rest for the children of God. There is still a rest that remains. You know, the Sabbath was um, a, a, an institution. It wasn't just the seventh day of the week. It also applied in the seventh year, every seven years, right? And in the seventh year, you're supposed to release um, slaves. You don't work. The whole seventh year, you don't work, right? They allow the land to rest and all that. All of those things were instituted by God so that the children of Israel will understand that 
it is not by might. It's not what you do. I am the one who actually sustains you. It's not your work. And this is proof. And so all our labor on earth, all the toil we are toiling, trying to look after our wives and children, trying to provide for our families, taking care of our husbands, working, studying, go to, going to school, I mean, building wealth and all that, all our labor for Christians, there remains a rest. There is going to be a big, huge Sabbath that we are looking for. We are, we are looking forward to. And it's going to happen soon. Where we will cease from all our works and enter into his rest, we will not work anymore. But we will still be catered for. We will still be provided for. So, the Sabbath is still holy. The Sabbath is still Saturday. Sunday is not... Um, uh, how do I put it? It's not a Christian day of worship as it was. It's not like Sunday is a day that Christians worship. It has become a, a, a convention that Christians meet, they fellowship together on Sundays, right? But actually, Christians are supposed to be worshipping every day of the week. Christians worship every day of the week. Why? Because we are now, our bodies, our very bodies, are now the temple of the living God. And he lives in us. And we also live in him. He's in us just as we are in him. Alright, so I hope that this one has cleared some doubt in your mind. And I hope that you found some answers to um, the question, why do we worship on Sundays if you're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy? Thank you very much for listening. Um, you can also send me your questions um, to askbadia.gmail.com or you can send me a WhatsApp message, um, a voice note, a selfie video, or a text containing your message to plus 233 eight six four six seven three that's plus two three three two zero zero eight six four six seven three god bless you so much for listening so we meet again bye